I, Maddie, and we're going to talk to you about a couple of things. How you doing? Good. Yeah? You're pretty wired. You had a little bit of wine. Good to go. <laughs> Is that a wired maybe, but... Yeah. I'm just getting started on my <laughs> glass of wine, so we're actually doing the proper tinking tonight. Mm-hmm. Something we didn't do this last episode, so that was kind of a bummer. But we have quite a tremendous list of things to talk to you guys about. And uh, Maddie's going to give you a rundown, or maybe we can just start with the first one. What do you think? Yeah, we can start with the first one. This is our kids asleep, by the way. I don't know if you said that or not. I don't know what I said. (laughs) I I forget the minute I say it. Um, So... um, I was just looking at Twitter to see if the if the news had dropped yet um, that indeed Donald Trump is running again in 2024 and he announced his campaign today. Do uh, we have like a, a boo sound effect? <laughs> I in was our, thinking, wah, 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 wah. yeah, <laughs> get that horn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this was something that wasn't really it was just like a not a greatly kept secret um people were have been talking about this since i don't know maybe a couple of weeks before the midterms um mm-hmm. that he might announce his campaign uh either on or around the midterm elections so we're about a week out from the midterm elections and he made that announcement which was people were saying you know Maybe he won't because they did so poorly <laughs> in the midterm elections. Uh, there really wasn't a, a red wave at all. Um, but, of course, him running has nothing to do with the party. It has nothing to do with what's good for this country. It has everything to do with himself. So, um, The man is doing it for the clicks, for the gram, and to get out of prison, from what I gather. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. That's another thing. We, we were laughing, uh, you know, like the George Bluth thing, like... <laughs> You can't get investigated if you're already the president, or if you're still the president. Um, I don't think that that's how that works. Not how that, it is a little <laughs> bit how that works, but um, so yeah. Anyway, just a little update from our last discussion about the midterms. So, just wanted to touch on that very briefly. Oh, I lost my list. Oh no, baby, you got to okay. go off the cuff. So. <laughs> Um, the other thing we talked about last week was Taylor Swift, and I just wanted to give another little update about that. I did not get Taylor Swift <laughs> era's tour tickets today, in case you were wondering. Didn't happen. A sad day for millions of people who got left <laughs> Dude, in the digital cold. The Twitter sphere is like losing its mind right now. Yeah. Um, so give me an update on that. Uh, what is the sentiment going around the universe right now? Well, I mean, it was a very, obviously the demand is extremely high. She only listed, I don't know, it's maybe 30 or 40 U.S. arena dates, like tour dates. Um you know, obviously they're arenas, so they're like thousands of seats, but it's millions of people. Yeah. So in your situation, you were waiting for a very long time, but then by the time they got to you in the queue, what were you left no. with or what happened? So, yeah. okay, so the way they, so this is through Ticketmaster, and you actually, you could register as a verified fan like two weeks before they actually went on presale. And this was sort of to cut down, they said this was sort of to cut down on the bot situation. Um, You know, bots just buying up all the tickets and reselling them at exorbitant prices. Um, So I did that, and then it pretty much, like, was like, okay, well, you might get a pre-sale code the day before (laughs) they go on pre-sale. And I was like, what do you mean you might get a pre-sale code? Maybe, I don't know. So not everybody was even going to get one. Um. So yesterday I got an email, I don't know, midway through the day that said that I was on a wait list for a code, not even for a ticket or a place in line, just a wait list for a code. Um, and that code never came. So, uh, you know, I was um, messaging a friend today and, he, you know, she had a coworker who actually managed to get a code and was even in line um, online and... Um, Ended up being able to get, he got four tickets, but they were 
like $250 each. <laughs> so me and my friend were like, uh, no, 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 no. A bit out of the price range. Yeah, we were hoping um. for the $50 tickets. <laughs> um, so that's a big no-go. But um, So I just want to say I'm incredibly disgusted because I thought that Taylor Swift was for everyone, but it turns out no plebs are allowed at the Taylor Swift concert. Well, I just think it's one of those things where she it's just such a high demand situation that um it just they were just gone really fast. So, so. you don't think this is a nefarious ticketmaster situation, but rather I mean, just the fervor is such has such intensity right now that not everyone's going to get a ticket. And yeah, so I mean, I think that's Taylor's part of it. Time. I think Ticketmaster. I th- I think the platform maybe is, um, not capable of handling that kind of traffic. Yeah, there's some um, madness. I mean, it was crazy, and it was it was actually controlled considering the situation. I mean, the, this was the pre-sale. We're not even in general sales right now. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, um, I'm lots of millions and millions of people are disappointed right now. So, but so I'm let not... us know if you're going to the Taylor Swift concert and let <laughs> yeah. Maddie know how it goes. I know like uh, a couple of my friends managed to get them, but who knows how much they paid. Um, anyway, I'm not like a, I think I'm not like a Swifty is what they call them. The mm-hmm. fans. So I'm not like weeping into my wine or anything you know mm-hmm. but you know it'd be nice to go it would have been fun alive, yeah for you i'm yeah. not like i'm not heartbroken or anything yeah i'm but, not heartbroken um, either because <laughs> that that would have been about it. 250 bucks yeah no i wasn't gonna <laughs> do that that would be so irresponsible um oh man well, anyway so that was uh so this is random i'm just gonna derail things for a sec did you know that jimmy fallon was trending because they thought he was dead and then oh, I dug, that happens all the time. I dug into it, and and it was just a picture of James Corden the whole time. What they, they were calling James Corden Jimmy Fallon, rest in peace, Jimmy Fallon. And then they put a picture of James Corden. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Fine. What Fine. is it a joke? Yeah, of course it's a joke because they're jokes. James Corden. Yeah, because nobody likes those oh, guys. Nobody cares. Yeah, oh. nobody cares. Okay, they're I done. I see what you're saying. Um. Yeah, late night really is. It's dead. Late night is dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the next thing on the list is um, home improvements. We're going to get real grown up in here. We're going to talk about some adult concerns. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a huge topic. I mean, we... we what made you want to write that down, first of all? Well, just that, like, we just have such a poor person mindset when it comes to like upgrading our home yeah and not even like big upgrades like painting a wall or (laughs) changing a light fixture like we forget that we can do these things yeah and i i think it's one of those things that comes with not having like home ownership be a part of the the family really like we we got into this house we've been here six years five years now and slowly but surely we've started getting more comfortable making changes maybe not wholesale things like knocking down walls or anything but just enough to make the place a little bit homier and more welcoming and have it have it be a place that feels like us yeah we didn't get to that point until way later why is that is it just because we had poor mindset like poor people mindset like maybe i mean it does cost money to do things like that so it wasn't something that we were prioritizing maybe we were just staying up at night thinking what are the landlords gonna think that we painted (laughs) that wall yeah and we're like oh shit no we're we're the landlords (laughs) yeah we are the landlords yeah i Um, have that a lot sometimes i think uh yeah i think it's partly that and just like I don't know. I for me, I think some of it is like want not wanting to commit to something. Yeah, you know, even though we could just change it if we don't like it. But it's also, I would say, from my end, it is the wishy washy nature of my family. Mm. I think I, I get that sometimes. I get in that mindset of like, oh, we'll get to it. We'll or, get I to it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I maybe, mean, maybe not. That's maybe some of it. 
But anyway, we, you know, we did paint a wall. We put up some lights. We put up a really nice dining room light fixture. Yeah. We're going to put up another um, fancy light fixture in the entryway. We're going to get some fans up in here. We're going to get, yeah, ceiling fans. But, I mean, those probably do next, like, next yeah. summer. I'm not going to start, like, a YouTube renovation channel anytime no. soon. But it's been really cool because I'm getting to do things that I didn't think I was capable of doing. Like, you know, hanging out, uh, changing those fixture fixtures. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wish I could fix our garage door, but I'm not going to do that because <laughs> I don't want to die. Yeah. I've read a lot of stories about the springs bursting and like splitting people open and all kinds of crazy stuff. So yeah, don't even go near (laughs) your garage door. Don't even look at it. Call a professional right now and spare yourself the grief of being like cut open. It was very graphic what I read and it still lingers. So I apologize for the graphic repetitive nature of this segment, but I think that we're on our way and maybe we will start sharing some things on Instagram once we start getting some followings and I get plastic surgery to look like an HGTV personality. I think that would be that would be a great pathway for us since we're looking at different opportunities these days. Be the Chip and Joanna Gaines of Wyoming. Ugh. <laughs> I knew that would get a response out of you. They're the worst. Uh no, thank you. I'm fine. So, um, yeah, that's that's what's going on in um, in our home. Yeah, it's just a slow um, progress progression of yeah, and making if, the house ours. If you have any ideas on how to do little things that will make your house look amazing, air your grievances at ourkidsasleep at gmail dot com, or is it our kids asleep podcast? No, it's our kids asleep at our kids asleep at gmail.com. I didn't even know we had an email account. (laughs) I remembered. I created it. Yes. But Um, anyway, yeah. So uh, we're just kind of rambling a little bit tonight, but it feels good to get those uh, off the list. Yeah. Um, So the next thing on my list is um, internet therapy. What's what's your. uh, experience or what is your what are your thoughts on internet therapy that um, i think um we've entered an age on social media where an eight um where everyone talks about everything all the time and this isn't necessarily always a bad thing um obviously oversharing is something that is very like cringy on social media, but I also think there's like this threshold that's been crossed now where um, some level of sharing, particularly when it comes to like mental health awareness, uh, could actually be helpful to people. And I, um, I came across this Twitter account recently called i think it's called the holistic psychologist Mm -hmm. and this woman is a she's just like a therapist that tweets about mental health yeah she Um, was the one who uh who had that list of of things that you that you sent me about yeah that 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 might have the parentification the parentification of a child yeah, yeah yeah there's a whole rabbit hole there but go ahead yeah and um it's not just her, but but there's a, a trend of of licensed professionals uh, professionals going on the internet and pretty much giving away this information for free. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that that's partly due to just the nature of the internet and also because of the nature of our healthcare system, um, just making particularly mental health care very prohibitively expensive. Um, you know, the average rate of going like a, like a therapist is like $180 an hour. Um, and it is rarely covered by insurance, even good insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and you have to meet your deductible and then they actually start paying for stuff. So you have to pay, you know, between 1500 and $5,000 out of pocket before it actually is covered at all. Um, so it's very expensive and not always accessible, particularly in places like Wyoming, um, where mental health, people with mental health issues 
far outnumber the actual yeah. professionals that could help them. Yeah, and we never expanded um, Medicaid. Medicaid. No. Yeah. Um, so in in that regard, I think that this idea of the thing is, is it's very unstructured. It's just, like, for instance, this lady on Twitter is just she just like writes these threads, you know, on different subjects. And you can just read the thread and learn about, you know, what it's like to have a narcissistic parent and how you deal with emotionally immature uh, people in your life and how that's affected you as a person and, and all this stuff. And, you know, it's, um, I think it is a good thing. But I also think that it's a sad state of affairs when people have to get their mental health from Twitter, their mental health care from Twitter. Yeah, for sure. And I think that while these people might be good intention, especially these licensed professionals who just want to get the, the information out there, I think that sometimes what they end up doing is they give language and terminology to people who may not know how to appropriately use that language, and then it becomes misinterpreted a lot of the time by people who are experiencing a lot of these um harmful you know sad situations and i think that a lot of the time we feel that we're being empowered without actually going through the process of talking to a mental health professional but we feel like we have the words for it we're like oh well obviously that looks like me so i i probably have that and then we go off on this this sort of pseudo knowledge search right and then we have to pontificate and and spread the the gospel in our own way but i think that all of this would be extremely beneficial if mental health was more readily available and people could read that thread and go that sounds just like me now i get to go to the doctor mm -hmm. and talk to somebody a little bit more in depth but do you think it does more harm than good i guess that's kind of what i'm what i'm getting at uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to, to give people the words, to give mm -hmm. people the, the language to talk about what they're feeling, to talk about what they've experienced. Um, but I do think because of the accessibility problems, most people who are following this you know, these accounts or, or getting this information from the internet are also not seeing a doctor mm -hmm. if they need to. Right. Not because they don't want to, but because they can't it's afford not it available. or it's not accessible or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I do think that there's a missing piece to the puzzle. Well, healthcare. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's just the the state of affairs is a state of, of, of how we live. So, you know, I guess if that's all we have, then that's all we have. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. And, you know, it doesn't, it's not just mental health. Like, um, well, I guess I think like I see a lot of stuff about, um, like neurodivergence, mm -hmm. you know, things like ADHD and autism and that kind of thing, you know, that, um, there's just a lot more awareness about symptoms and how things manifest differently in certain people. And, um, you know, I can think of, I've watched a TikTok about autism in women versus men and how it's harder to diagnose in women. I've watched TikToks about ADHD, not TikToks, I'm not on TikTok, but like they post them on Instagram or whatever. Uh, about like ADHD and the symptoms and how they manifest differently in people. And um, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's, it's an interesting time to be. <sighs> well, that's the thing is I, I hope I should hope that people who are going through severe mental health difficulties and struggles can get to the places they need to get them um there there should be resources locally um and i i think that that's my biggest hope is that there can be more awareness about local resources um ideally because like you say i think these professionals who are out there tweeting about this stuff should be the gateway 
to let people know what's going on. But then there has to be that moment of like, okay, the individual has to find a way to, to go get it taken care of or go find a local resource, you know? Cause I, you know, the more I, I look into it there, there's still opportunities there to get some services on a scale. Um, if, if you're, um, if you don't have the funds, hopefully in the community that these people are at, they're, they're able to get it. But uh, it's a sad state of affairs because not everyone, a majority of people cannot afford mental health services. Yeah. And that's that's the biggest battle that we have right now in this country. Yeah. And I think that's probably, you know, part of it. Part of the reason they're doing it is just... um. So that, that, you know, because maybe that person would never have thought about, um, you know, that they could have this disorder, this mm -hmm. issue, you know. Yeah. And to finally have someone say, like, to list out your symptoms and be like, oh, it could be this. And the person going, oh, shit, <laughs> I might have that, you know, and maybe yeah. I should go talk to somebody, you know. Um, yeah, because that whole parentification thing. I had never heard of that before. Yeah. And to be honest with you, that did freak me out because it described a lot of my personal childhood experiences. Yeah. And the idea that the children of immigrants have to grow up a little bit faster than most and we become an ally to our parents and we back them up and we, we help them. But yet we get caught in this thing where we have to please our parents more so than like the average child feels like they have to please their parents and we have to go above and beyond in problem solving. Uh, I can't remember the exact details of that description, but it felt like it really, it really rattled me a little bit like, Oh wow, maybe this is such a common thing that there's a name for it. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that, uh, that is sort of a relief, but also like, God, we're all a little bit, <laughs> broken mm -hmm. <laughs> we're all a little bit uh screwed up in some way but yeah good mm -hmm. stuff yeah there's value in it but um don't forget to seek out a local if you mental can. health professional if you can if you but can. also remember that there are resources available in your communities that are that are funded through uh government projects or, or special nonprofits that might be able to help out. So don't say no to a potential solution. That's, yeah. that's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting topic and I'm sure like a lot of people have experienced that online and seen that stuff and, um, yeah, it's become very commonplace. So, um, the next thing I have on our list is um, Elon Musk buying Twitter. Which I surprisingly have been following quite a bit because I, I'm i on Twitter pretty regularly, not in the last like couple of weeks as I took a break, but this this was such an interesting development because it started almost back in April or maybe even the beginning of the year when Elon was just doing everything to become sort of the what do you call it, the contrarian to Twitter, right? Uh, like he, he had been pretending to have a lot of answers about what to do with this with this entity. And there's so much to, to uncover here. But I think where we stand now, after this transaction has been, had been made and, and him just trolling his way to headquarters, I feel like his empire could begin to crack due to this this move which i i think is um just from from looking at it it is a foolish foolish enterprise to pursue and you know i think he just he needs to hire somebody in marketing to to do the tweeting for him cuz that that man is uh, a little unhinged mm. that's that's how i feel about it um I think that he's trying to bring the approach that he's had with Tesla and SpaceX to to Twitter, but I think the arguments that he's making are that Twitter was in a much 
greater state of disarray than he previously anticipated. And really getting to know what was going on in there was, you know, was probably more problematic than he thought. But I, I don't know what to believe, to be honest with you, because there's uh, quite a few folks who worked for Twitter before they were laid off uh, recently, and they started to just sort of tell some truths about how a majority of folks were just let go without being given a chance to help the new regime uh, put Twitter back together because, um, I don't know, I th- I think that, tw- like, Elon, it feels like he's in this, like, moment of desperation to make money as fast as humanly possible because of the loans that are against the, you know, his company and his the transaction and everything that he's just going to rush through solutions, any solution that might work. That way the That's why the $8 thing, like, uh, did did you hear about that? Yeah, that yeah, he the was checkmark thing. Eight dollars to be verified. The yeah, I I think that there is sort of like a misguidedness about this whole thing. There is a thoughtlessness about the way that these things are unfolding, and many people pointed out that the security of the platform itself is at risk right now because a lot of the moderating staff has been let go. A lot of folks who keep track of of the platform to keep it running we're just laid off because he wanted to start making cuts right away so i don't know like it, it, i it's almost like somebody told you that there's going to be a car wreck at a certain block at a certain time of day so you're going and waiting you know and and maybe the time is right or maybe it's going to be tomorrow but like everyone is pretty sure that something's going to happen so there's a crowd gathering over at Twitter, the intersection of Twitter and Elon Musk, and they want to see something happen. And that's sort of the temperature that I get when I'm when I'm on there right now. Uh, but I do think that it was probably the most foolish thing to do to buy Twitter uh, when he did. And you can see that it's starting to take a toll on his... I don't know. He wasn't exactly a well-loved individual before, but I I think that now it's starting to reveal a lot more about his character than than was previously, you know, promoted. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's kind of a weird cluster and it's nice because we get awesome memes out of it too. <laughs> uh, like there was a a comic that I that I really loved because he's suspending anyone who impersonates Elon Musk. So there was this one that uh, was like an elephant that had a, a melon on his tusk and his Twitter handle was Melon Tusk. And then he was all excited, like he was going to Twitter b- to show everyone that he had a melon on his tusk, <laughs> the elephant. And then he goes and then his account suspended because he was making fun of Elon Musk. Uh-huh. I was like, that's the best one. So I saved that one. It was amazing. <laughs> but there's a lot of little, a little gifts like that. Listen, we're not going to be better or worse without Twitter. I think that Many folks believe that Twitter is the public forum that will save democracy in some ways. Um, Seems optimistic. Well, surprisingly, I mean, even though it's not the biggest platform, it is true that a lot of political conversation happens there. A lot of dialogue that guides politics happens there. And I, I just don't know that it has the longevity to to keep making a difference if it goes under. You know, I think mm-hmm. that people will find another avenue. But right now, Twitter is convenient because it's just right there. You know, 180 characters or however many, it's like 200 and something or other. But anyway, that's those are my thoughts on it. I, I feel like it's going to be a clusterfuck no matter what, but we'll see how it unfolds. Uh, I'm waiting for a collapse, but that's just me. What do you think? I I totally rambled for a while. Oh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't really have an opinion, honestly. I um, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't kind know. of. You weren't interested. You don't. You didn't care. No. Yeah. Not really. I mean, I understand like people's concerns about, you know, one billionaire owning a platform as influential as twitter Mm -hmm. um and having that kind of power over free speech and stuff but like 
I don't know. I just think... I think kind of feel like Twitter is going to just continue no matter who owns it. Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. Elon could shut it down if he wanted to and whatever, we would go move on with our lives. But like, <laughs> I just don't think Twitter is that important to be honest, but yeah. you know, that's just me personally. I don't, you know, I do use Twitter, but I wouldn't say it's like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel that important. In the grand scheme of things, I if you're not a regular Twitter user, I can definitely see that. But I, I've come around on Twitter because it's given me so much in terms of the podcasting mm-hmm. space. I mean, I've, I've met a lot of amazing people there who've inspired me and I've learned a lot from. But at the same time, you know, maybe there's other places to meet, other places to congregate. Um, but... I'm curious, this this would really be interesting because if one of the big social media platforms goes down like Twitter, it would be pretty cataclysmic in the social media space. Um, if it were something like, you know, I don't know, Tumblr, you know, which is already kind of on its way out or maybe like a smaller... Tumblr's still around? It's still around, I yeah. thought it wasn't around anymore. It's still kicking ass, yeah, oh. it's doing its thing. You know, there's maybe like a handful of million people over there you know, sharing their manga and their, you know, whatever, you know. Um, But, you know, can you imagine, like, Facebook going down would be a bigger cataclysm than than Twitter. Um, But I I do think that at least in America and the United States, it is uh, very pivotal that, you know, for big conversation, I should say. Yeah. 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 But anyway. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Elon's just... uh... I don't know. He's he's just a spoiled rich guy. <laughs> Sorry, guess. Austin. He's he's a spoiled rich guy who yeah, who has big I dreams. Mean, and no just, and little self awareness. He's just a billionaire throwing his weight around. Like that's kind of just what it seems like to me. Like ever yeah. since he's been yeah. talking about buying Twitter earlier this year and then he wasn't and then he was and then he wasn't. And I was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> make a decision. Find an put issue. your money where your mouth is. Um. Yeah, that so that's, melon tusks is pretty funny though. Yeah, it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> there was one with Spartacus, where you know, from the movie Spartacus, uh-huh. where like everyone's standing up, I'm Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. Oh, yeah. And then it was all like Elon Musk, but they were all verified. <laughs> <laughs> Phoebe, get down. Oh my cat. Okay, so uh, do you want to talk about a couple more things before we wrap it up yeah. today? So we watched. Um, we watched two comedy specials recently that I would like to talk about. Um, the first one is Jew by Ari Shafir, which you can watch on YouTube for free. For free. Um, the special kind of blew me, kind of blew me away. Like I have liked, I mean, Ari is a great comedian. I, I liked his Netflix special. Um, it's called Double Negative. Um, but this special I think was really well crafted. Um, so Ari Shafir is, um, a New York comedian. He grew up Orthodox Jewish, um, until he was like in his early twenties and, uh, and then he left the faith. Um, and this special is just kind of about his experience, uh, in the religion and, um, I mean, I actually learned a lot about Judaism from this special. Yes. Um, he indeed. talks a lot about like, you know, the holidays and, and he pretty much like addresses like all the things that non-Jewish people would want to know about Judaism. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. I thought it was very, um, it was very funny and heartfelt in some moments and, um, I don't know. It was just kind of a fun like journey through his kind of losing religion mm-hmm. um, and, you know, his reasons for that. And um, but told in a way that was, you know, with not without levity. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I thought for me as the initial takeaway, he it didn't feel like a departure from his persona because he does have that chip on his shoulder. He's very. 
uh, abrasive a lot of the time, and he gets a lot of shit for that, and he's gotten himself in a lot of trouble for that. But the special, I think, does such a really good job of making making something that that is about a people feel very intimate and personal and honest in a way that like you can't really deny you know whether you're jewish or not that that meant a lot to him and i love that he is is talking about something that that i care about a lot which is faith religion once feeling of like spirituality and and you know how you find that or go about discovering that even if it's not the faith that you were raised in maybe you grow out of it maybe you decide that's not for you that's fine but you acknowledge that there is good in that in some way for some people and i thought that he did a really good job of satirizing of celebrating it and and poking fun but still revering it in in a lot of ways because it's still a part of who he is and that was a really successful special in that way yeah yeah you could tell that he sat on it for a while too that like he probably worked it quite a bit and when he thought it was done he still had to go through it but that was mostly because of covid right yeah he had he's been working i mean five years he worked on it for five years wow but he was about to shoot it when the pandemic started and so he was forced to sit on it for another like year and a half mm-hmm. um yeah but he said he said in interviews that that made it better um and that yeah. he honed it and um even in like the cutting of it he said he just he really got it tight mm-hmm. um so yeah he he said that the pandemic was kind of a blessing in that way that yeah. he didn't do it too soon and he was i i think that he the the team that he got together to help him put it together was really special yeah. the design was really good the yeah. lighting the sound was really good some some self-produced specials are always kind of hit or miss yeah especially with the audio yeah the audio is yeah, a we've dead giveaway a couple sometimes like a couple recently where we were like jesus yeah this yeah. was not done that well but i think that the production elevated it really well that yeah. was quite a beautiful set that he had behind him yeah. it was all candles yeah uh it was just really magical looking yeah yeah um but i really enjoyed it i mean i think that it it was it was like somebody who gets a bad rap actually showing his heart yeah you know and i think that that's something like ari's kind of a difficult person like a difficult persona to like yeah in some ways yeah and you know if you follow any of the podcasts like comedy podcasts like he has a bad reputation as just kind of an <laughs> asshole and and yeah. a little bit you know just like a party animal and you know whatever a little bit of a loose cannon and uh you know recently they did the sober october podcasts on joe rogan and um i, I don't know burt kreischer another comedian that there are their friends um he said, you know, Ari, you do have a, you have a good heart, you know, cause they were promoting his special. Right. And, uh, it was like a really genuine moment where I was like, Oh, Bert really meant that. Sure. Like it was, yeah. you and know, they're, and they're obviously they know each other well. So, you know, they know that more than, than most like fans would know that. But, um, I don't know. Yeah. I think you're right. I think the special kind of, uh, showed more of who he is yeah genuinely and i do believe that that type of work that type of stand-up is quite challenging because you're covering one subject yeah i mean stand-up is a lot of different topics mixed in you know depending on the flavor of the comedian but i do feel like that felt like a show that Mm -hmm. felt really strong and the through line was like all one thing but it never felt dull Right. It it was just like looking at a prism of thoughts yeah. on on one topic, and it was very refreshing. And it was a little bit uh, over an hour, wasn't it? It was like an hour and a half. Was no, it? I think it was like. I think I it was an hour and a half. I don't remember exactly, but it was a little bit longer than an hour. Which is which is great. It didn't feel like it. No, it really didn't. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. He actually just 
one last thing on it. He did say that while he was workshopping it or doing, you know, running it, he would, or well, actually while he was building it, he said, mm-hmm. he would like poll audiences. Like, what do you want to know about Judaism? <laughs> and he yeah. would just like do some crowd work and like, you know, someone would be like, oh, what about this? You know, why do they do this? Or why do they wear this? And, he, you know, he from those yeah. interactions, he built that's, that is part of it that was like, you know, what's Hanukkah about or, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting um, perspective that he kind of worked into it of just like what yeah. non-Jews want to know about Judaism. Yeah. Um, and as a non-Jewish person, that was very, <laughs> it was very good and insightful, I thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a really, it's a great special. It is very, uh, you know, Ari is not clean. So, you know, just <laughs> yeah. be prepared for that. But right. um, it's very good and yeah. worth, a, worth a watch. Check it out. It's really good to see those types of folks working on their own stuff, releasing it on their own. And yeah, taking man. a chance on themselves. I really appreciate that. It's a fucking revolution out there right now. Like, mm-hmm. there's so many great comedy specials for free on YouTube. Right. So many. Right. And it's kind of nice because if, I, I think it offers artists, comedians who are starting out a great opportunity to get their work out there and to be seen by their peers and their, you know, potential fans and YouTube has been amazing for that. And I'm glad that they're able to fundraise that way too, to make yeah. sure that they can make a living. Yeah. And it's I hard think out there. even like, I don't know, like you hear a lot of comedians talk about like comedians that haven't gotten their due, mm-hmm. you know, like sometimes I'll listen to podcasts and they'll, they'll mention comedians I've never heard of, you know? And they're like, I don't know why more people don't know about this comedian. Like he's amazing or she's, so funny and this, mm-hmm. no one has given them a chance you know not netflix not hbo not comedy central like nobody has given them a chance and now they don't have to wait yeah. they don't have to wait they can just do it you know like bobby <laughs> kelly has been a comedian for like 20 fucking years and he just now got a special because louis ck produced his special mm-hmm. you know and he's like everybody agrees he's like the funniest working comedian right now Right. And he just got a special. So, you know, it's it's just one of those things where like the the industry's not fair and but the gatekeepers don't have as much power anymore. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. Pretty cool stuff. So you want to talk about blocks? Neil Brennan's blocks. Speaking of gatekeepers. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so the next special we watched was Blocks by Neil Brennan. Um That one is on Netflix. It is on Netflix. Um and uh god neil brennan's just so fucking good um so if you haven't he he has a previous he has a couple other specials available to watch three mics is the big one that i think really put him on the map in terms of specials um i mean he's famous for writing and you know he's wrote for the dave Chappelle show. his 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 resume is like a mile long mm-hmm. um but blocks, um, I don't know. What did you think about it? I think that this actually ties in really nicely with uh, with mental health. Um, this is one of those shows that reminds me how far we've come in terms of being able to talk openly about mental health. Um, I can imagine for somebody his age who's just a little bit older than us to have come from a time period when it was virtually impossible to acknowledge as a man that you have mental health concerns or things that are that are going on in your mind. And I I really enjoy the way that he writes. He he writes like a writer, performs like a writer, but he's he's still a stand-up comedian and he blends all of that really well uh because his shows do have a through line. They have a concept that they they follow through. And that's what I loved about three mics specifically. It, it, I think that one is my favorite yeah, of his, but this was a, a great continuation of that conversation. Um, he did a really good job of, of just being honest and bringing so much humor from that situation. Like he's, he's gone through some shit. Yeah. 
Yeah. He has experienced a lot of trauma and to be able to turn that into into good, into humor and observation that helps people see their stuff in their own way, I think is really beneficial. I think it's really good. And so while the special wasn't my favorite because his last one was my favorite, I think that that it was really good. I think it's worth a uh, watch too, though. Yeah. Yeah. I think I like Neil Brennan because he has such a unique perspective to for me like yeah he just he has bits on things that i just i've never heard anyone else write about like Mm. you know like the just one of the bits one of the many bits of like um he doesn't know if he knows how to have a relationship with a dog like (laughs) he doesn't know if he's just like missing the point um you know, because like his dog Keith is like, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's going to be your best friend. He's like, he's like my ninth best friend. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. He just has such a unique voice, I think, mm-hmm. that I really appreciate. Um, and, you know, the, the whole like sort of device of this special were these like little animated blocks, not animated, or on a but wall like there. a cartoony kind of blocks behind him. Um, that he would kind of manipulate throughout the show and you know each block kind of represented a subject subject matter he was going to address and um just don't give it away at the end no i won't give it away (laughs) um yeah i just think it was a really again like you said i don't think i think three mics is my favorite still but um it was nice to kind of get a a little more in-depth discussion about some of the stuff that he's gone through. Right. Um, And... uh, Because I had heard him say in an interview that he felt like um, this is a good opportunity to dig deeper, especially now that he had gone through the ayahuasca journeys and he had tried to process a lot of that uh, mental health struggle. Mm-hmm. And you could tell, I mean, there, there seemed to be a clarity yeah. to how he was addressing it and trying to confront it yeah. in a way. And that's that's just really great to see because he's making art with his, you know, with his wounds, with yeah. the things that hurt him. And I really appreciated that. I think he's, he is one of my favorite stand-up comedians. Yeah. yeah because of that perspective, as you said. Yeah. Um, but he's just... He's a damn good writer and he's a damn good performer too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah some good shit, man. Yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you this to, to get it out there because I, you have led our household in this pursuit of, of stand-up comedy and finding funny things. And I'm curious when you really started to just, go all in on this because I think it's been about two years now where that's a majority of, of what we consume now uh, here in the house. Yeah. I have kind of become kind of a comedy nut. Um, I think that started, I think it started when I started listening to your mom's house. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was around 26, Sixteen, I want to say. Yeah. Um. That kind of opened my world comedically, I think, because Tom Segura. For those of you who don't know, Tom Tom Segura and Christina Pajitsky have a podcast uh, called Your Mom's House. It's been around for like twelve years now. Like it's been around for a long time. Um, they're both comedians, and. They obviously like comedians go on other comedians podcasts. So most of the comedians that I was introduced to, I was introduced through to through their podcast. And then from there, I'd be like, oh, that comedian's really funny. I should listen to their podcast because mm-hmm. everybody has a podcast now. Sure. And um, I think from there, uh, it just kind of grew. You know, and then eventually um, specials 
on Netflix and HBO and eventually YouTube have become so, um, it's just become a really big thing now. Um, you know, a lot of comedians are calling this like the second golden age of comedy, um, because of just the accessibility and the ability with the internet for comedians to be very visible. Um, and so, and I think podcasts have, have, have had a lot to do with that. Um, and you know, it's a medium where comedians can really shine and, um, it's introduced me to every good comedian that I am a fan of now. And one of the one two of the comedians that I've really become a big fan of are Sam Morell and Mark Normand. And they have a podcast called We Might Be Drunk. And which is just kind of a silly, you know, silly podcast, but they are such comedy nerds mm-hmm. that and they have this segment of their show where they just they just go over bits they're working on, you know, and they like bounce ideas off of each other and um, they just get into like the really nitty gritty stuff of comedy. And they I think break that's, it down. it's so fascinating to me. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think um, I like the mechanics of comedy, you know, and I like, I like kind of seeing behind the curtain of how they construct things and put things together and how they build the act. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Um, yeah. And I think like just the climate we live in now is so conducive to really fucking good comedy. Mm -hmm. And I also think that, uh, rather than, than just feeling down all the time, I think that you and I are the kind of people who who just need to laugh as much as we can because we, I think we feel a lot. I think if you and I try to stay abreast of every single thing that happened in the world, we would be devastated. And to me, that has been a great remedy to have comedy and to keep an eye out on these specials and feel like we're we're getting some laughs out of the way because it's hard right now. Like living is hard. Life is bombarding you. There's so much happening that you need a break. You need release. And to have a moment where you're not waving a flag for a team, you're just enjoying the moment and having a laugh. Maybe, maybe at my expense, you know, that's why I like uh, Felipe Esparza, you know, it's like, it's, it's just a magical thing to sit down and, and have a laugh. That's why I've loved going on the shows with you. And um, it's been a good time. Yeah, really I do has. think I do think that's probably part of it. Like it just life is hard. And COVID made it harder. And COVID made it harder. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like yeah. it's shitty out there right now. Yeah. Just geopolitically, just all of it is shit. Yeah. You know, and it's nice to just sit down for 60 to 90 minutes and not think about that shit. Yeah. You know, and just laugh at something silly. Laugh as much as you can, folks. Yeah. Well, that's a good note to wrap it up on, don't you think? Yeah. Okay. Good. Friends, we love you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. And uh, are your grievances, you know where to find us? Uh, OurKidsAsleep at gmail.com. That's right. And uh, we hope you're doing well. And we will see you next week. See you guys.